0: This podcast is for the curious, for those seeking honest conversations about life and ministry. It's for those fully aware that we are in a moment in history that demands our attention and our intentionality. The world is about to turn. And this podcast is for those who seek to be co-conspirators with the Holy Spirit those who wish to affect a turn toward the one who offers life and life abundant in our weary world. This podcast is for those committed to God's invitation to us as church together, as people in mission, responding to the demands of the gospel. hello everyone and welcome back to season two and this is episode three of our season of advent devotional this this advent season we are drawing from the resources provided to us by sundays and seasons and this advent season they've in, they've invited us to engage the gifts of advent we've already had a conversation around the gift of patience we, last week, we heard and had a conversation around the gift of speech and silence. This week, we get to have a conversation around the gift of Advent. And as we've done for the entire season, and we'll continue to do so, um, we've invited some special guests. And these guests happen to be a beneficiary of... I said Advent again? Yeah. <sighs> and i didn't i didn't introduce myself either <laughs> awesome <clears throat> yeah mhm all right Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 3 of Season 2 of The World is About to Turn. I am Pastor Layla Ortiz, and I have the privilege of serving as the Bishop of the Metropolitan Washington, D.C. Synod. And this season, we've decided to dedicate our time and conversation to the gifts of Advent using the resources provided to us by Sundays in Season. And so this time around, we have um, the special honor and privilege of having the conversation around what is. What does it mean to engage the gift of hope? And so as we've done for the two previous episodes, we have invited um, representatives from beneficiary organizations of our Gifts of Hope program here in the Metro DC Synod. For those of you who aren't familiar, the program helps donors support church camps, ministries, international Companion Synods, the local social service agencies affiliated with the Senate all through one giving platform. And so this is a program that is open to all people and helps people in need regardless of their faith or religious affiliation. And so we are honored and I'm so, so pleased and blessed that we have two guests today. One from the community of St. Dismas which is Reverend Susan Beck and another from La Sagrada Familia which is Pastor and Reverend um, Connie Miller. And so today say the question is when we engage thinking of engaging this season of advent um what does it mean to have hope And not just any kind of hope or hope in life, hope in the world, but what does it mean to have hope and to engage in a life of hope in your context in particular? And so I'd invite Pastor uh, Susan Beck to share a bit of her ministry at the Community of St. Dismas, and then feel free to go right into answering the question, what does it mean to have hope in your context?
1: Thank you, Bishop. I'm Pastor Susan Beck, I'm pastor of the Community of St. Dismas. We are vibrant, faith-filled, always forming, always reforming Lutheran congregations that exist within the walls of the Maryland State Prison System. Um, We have Bible studies weekly, we have worship services weekly. Uh, We show up and we bring the gospel. prisons are uh, inherently places that look so very hopeless mm. uh, when you when you walk through and the gates slam and slam and slam behind you um, there is that sense of hopelessness mm. so many of our folks who are in our prison congregations um, come from backgrounds and contexts where people um, Hope was in short supply um, because of difficult um, community or family situations, um, inadequate schools. Mm. Uh, sometimes that would lead to putting hope in the wrong things, in power and money and um, substances, and uh, just led to a different way of maneuvering life and ultimately incarceration. Um, we see the the fruit of the gospel all the time. We see in such a actual, physical, visceral way how the hope of the gospel, how the hope that, yes, there is a God who loves you. Yes, there is a God who forgives you and extends you grace. We see how that message engenders hope and it transforms lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I thought I, will, I would go to the experts about hope. So I asked some of the folks in, or the folks in some of our congregations, that are the ones I, got, I had a chance to ask, um, what is hope? What is hope to you? Um, here are some of the answers that I got. Faith, and I'm reading this from their writing. Um, hope is faith in the midst of struggle. Hope is what keeps you going. Hope isn't something you can see. It just lives inside you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hope is what keeps you pushing in life when you've lost everything and anything. You ask yourself, what is hope? Because, it is, because for me, it is an unending faith and trust in God that it will always be good for me, even on the dark days as well as the sunny days. Hope is the message of Jesus, being saved, faith, forgiveness, all of the above. (laughs) Hope is what you need to cope. Hope is what gives you something to believe in. Hope is my Lord. Hope is what God gives me when I wake up in the morning and he's by my side, knowing that I do have a life with him. Hope keeps me moving forward. Mm. Hope is something you can look to in life that makes you go on in life. <clears throat> Hope is faith in the future to come, the possibility of greater, greater things happening to me. Mm. Hope is when you fear that something is not possible and you place that fear in God's hands knowing that everything is possible with him. Hope is something you're wishful to happen. You want it to happen because it seems that that it will make things better for you. you. But you give hope to that. you give that. you really give whatever you are hopeful for power. and you don't really have a hundred percent faith and belief in it. So you have hope. These are these are the words of folks who have been incarcerated for years or for decades. Mm. Um, most will most will eventually get out. 95% of incarcerated folks in Maryland do eventually get out. Um, but day to day they wake up in a situation with very little hope. Um, one of my one of my folks said once he got he got out on work release and he was working outside and he came to worship the next week, and he said oh, i saw the horizon without razor wire hmm. it was amazing hmm. um that filled him with hope um oh i've got a million stories we there was a young man in one of our congregations who was always very engaged um one week he came into worship very Distraught, Just very distraught. Um, and none of us really knew what was going on. Um, after the service, he came up and talked to me, and he said, God will not forgive me for what I did. And I said, there is always forgiveness at the foot of the cross. You just have to ask. He said, no, 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 I'm going to be in prison the rest of my life. I, You know, God will not forgive me. And I said, well, yeah, you might be in prison the rest of your life. <laughs> But all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. So he said, "But, can I tell you what I did? Now we don't seek to know what the offense is that got our folks incarcerated, and, but uh, this, is, this is not county jails. this is the state prison. These are felonies. These are very serious and um, yeah, very serious crimes. Um, and so I said, "If you want to, you can tell me." And he told me. And it was heinous. And it was very, very hard to hear, um, particularly as a mother and a grandmother. And he said, God won't forgive that. And I said, well, the state of Maryland, will see that you have the consequences. But God will forgive you. God loves you. You have value. God will forgive you. All you have to do is ask. So I took his hands to start to pray with him. But then our time was up. And when your <laughs> time's up the residents have to go back to the tiers or their cells or wherever, you know, their residences and I have to get out. Mm. Um, and I did ask for a minute to pray, but rules are rules. So I didn't get a chance to pray with them. And I thought oh, next week, next week I got to come in. I got to say a proper prayer with this young man. The The week that the time that happened was the first week of March, 2020. Of course. The second <laughs> week of March, 2020, the world shut down. Um, and we, I, you know, it took two years to get back in. And I worried, and I worried, and I thought, oh, no pastor, no worship, no leader. You know, they were were on lockdown. They couldn't interact with other Christian um, siblings. And I thought, oh, no, as if anything depends on (laughs) (laughs) me. (laughs) Uh, About six months in, we got a letter saying that in the solitude of, of lockdown, he had prayed. Um, and he had felt God's grace and he knew that even, even he, and he called him, the words he used to describe himself were horrible person, but nonetheless beloved by God and forgiven by God. Nothing changed in the circumstances. He's not going to get out any faster. Mm -hmm. He's still going to wake up in the gray confines of steel doors and bars and 20 foot razor wire fences. So nothing changed, but everything changed. Everything changed. Everything changed because now he had hope.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. That's a powerful story. And it just gives us perspective, right? When we think of hope, um, sometimes we're looking for some things that we want or we need, right? Some of the things that were described in the letters, right? Um, But hope can be truly transformative and liberating, Right? What does it mean to know that your circumstances will not change and yet your heart is refreshed and renewed, your spirit is alive again, mm-hmm. right? And that you're burning inside with a love that's unconditional. I mean, yes. talk about a hope that, yes. um, that restores and renews. Thank you so much, Pastor Beck, for sharing your story and for sharing the voices of those who have hope in the most difficult of circumstances. Such a gift. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pastor Miller, um, would you share with us just a bit of the ministry that happens in La Sagrada Familia and then engage the question, what does it mean to have hope in your context and in that space?
2: Bishop, again, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And Pastor Beck, thank you so much, too, for sharing. But yes, I'm Connie Miller, the senior pastor at St. Luke Lutheran Church and School in Silver Spring, Maryland. And we also have a conference center, Hollywood, um, north of us. But... Today I'm here because we're a partner with La Sagrada Familia. And La Sagrada Familia, uh, namely the Holy Family, and and, uh, years and years ago it got that name simply because the Holy Family didn't have a place to stay. It was a wandering community looking for hope and looking for a foundation. And so anyway, we are a partner with La Sagrada Familia, St. Luke. But um, that partnership also includes the Senate, as you know, and Mm -hmm. we thank you so much for the support. And it includes um, Lutheran Campus Ministry and College Park and other folks who have contributed. And again, a big thank you to those who contribute to Gifts of Hope. Thank you so much today. But uh, imagine, this is really a, shall we call it a, ministry of safe, and safe is the word here, accompaniment to our brothers and sisters in Central America, mainly El Salvador, Guatemala, and some from Honduras, and also a few folks from Mexico as well. But um, basically, these folks come here, and we have a large community in Langley Park, Maryland. It's in Prince George's County here in Maryland, not far from where St. Luke is, but For some reason, this community has just grown and grown and grown over the years, and it's now basically the largest community of folks from Central America in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so it's been happening for maybe 25 years now where this ministry started a long time ago, just on the street there, but it has developed now into a safe haven. And again, I can't emphasize that enough because the people who come tell us, they go, we feel safe here. They come here. And this is a mutual ministry, not one community doing for another, but a mutual ministry. And, and let me just give you a couple of stories. We have worship uh, in Spanish, and we have many after-school programs during the week. But imagine being 15 years old, living in El Salvador, living in a rural area, food insecurity, hardly any money, many children in the family. You're sort of left by the wayside and one thing leads to another, and you're able, through borrowing from other family members, to take the journey, mm. the train, the desert, you name it, to try to get here in Langley Park to be with your, your aunt. Now, your aunt has a little apartment, eight or ten people in that apartment mm-hmm. already, and there you are. But then imagine that community where that apartment complex is offers an after-school program through the Lutheran Church. And imagine going to that program, gradually learning not only English, but being part of a community, getting to know those pastors, getting to know those volunteers. One thing leads to another, and you start to get comfortable. You start to grow. You start to finish high school because of all that advocacy. And then this one young man, too, that I'm saying, we also worked with immigration and an immigration lawyer that now he has a special juvenile status. And that special status means that we now have that for him because we had to prove that if he would go back home, he would be killed. Hmm. It's a very, very harsh reality. So now he is safe and sound. Now he has completed junior college. (laughs) He's now at the university and also continuing to volunteer in ministry and hopes to have a wonderful future and is very active in our Lutheran community. So there is what hope looks like. And if, if he could be here today, m- most of these folks are working today, so they can't be here. But if he could, he would be the first to say thank you to anybody who gives to the gift of hope, anybody who gives to this ministry. He has found a family. He has a future. And he knows that God loves him. And then imagine also, An adult who is a journalist in El Salvador, actually Guatemala, who is reporting the truth. And because of the truth, the gangs abduct her Mm. and take her. She has a little girl. Well, one thing leads to another, and she gets away and comes here as well. Makes a new life, has a new family, and now is a leader. In the community of La Sagrada Familia, you know the community has grown so much now that the community members are the leaders now, working together side by side with all of us, and uh, are now almost their own council, shall you say? Shall we say? So um, it's just an honor to watch this grow. But I'll tell you, Bishop, the biggest honor for me over the years has been to get to know um, my siblings from uh, Central America. It has been a blessing, a personal blessing. Mm -hmm. It has helped me grow as well. And I've learned so much, but I've learned especially about the power of the gospel and the power of hope. I see it right in front of my eyes. And then I just want to add one more thing. One of the biggest pieces of outreach of this ministry are various after-school programs in the community. We have after-school art program taught by one of our volunteers. We have an after-school tutor program called En Camino. We have the Caring Project, Children at Risk, which we partner with the University of Maryland and Children Buddy with university students. All of those programs are there because when these children come home from school in the community, they're confronted by gangs, by drugs, by all the bad stuff. Yeah. And how do we keep them from getting conscripted, shall we say, into that and so these after-school programs could not be more important. And what has happened now is some of these children who have started years ago are now the senior high volunteers mm. helping with the programs themselves, and they too are growing. And we have one young person who now is even looking at seminary, thanks to this whole outreach, <laughs> and sees the, the bigger picture. So um, to me, Bishop, um, these are these are images of the most powerful hope we can we can even imagine. Yeah. So, um, and it all I have to say too, it all begins with the worshiping community. We have worship second and fourth Sundays right now, and we're averaging about forty to sixty folks. And um, and again, everything I also have to say, <laughs> every single thing we do, whether it's after school or whether it's worship, involves food. Yeah, because. <laughs> As much as, you know, we think, oh, that's wonderful, the bottom line also is this entire community deals with food insecurity all the time. So, um, you know, the only other story, Bishop, I don't know how much time I got here, but I'll just tell you real quickly. I learned a lot because when I am I live in, my. you know, we have our church in Montgomery County. Montgomery County is supposed to be quite well off. We have Les Sagrada Familia. We have the children in school there. Years ago, and I love winter sports. I love snow. I love the whole thing. I love a snow day. And I remember finding out that when it snowed one day at one of our local elementary schools, many of our Les Sagrada Familia children walked over to the school, and they were looking in the window because they saw a car outside. The car was the principal. And they were banging on the window going, Mrs. So-and-so, uh, can we can we get breakfast and lunch? Mm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I realized whenever there's a snow day, yeah. children don't get their food. Mm-hmm. So, again, through food, through dinner, through meals, through even food programs where we gather food from other stores where it's almost expired and hand it out to the community, still really good food, there is hope. There's again, hope. Um, a lot of stories. This
0: is I'm, I'm listening to you, and you you said several times um, one thing led to another, <laughs> one thing led to another, and yes. and um, it's interesting if we listen to all the narratives and the stories that you've shared, um, it, it would it's 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 inevitable that hope is active, right? It's not it hope you don't just sit down and wait for something to happen, no. right? Even these children on snow days are knocking on doors and wa- knocking on windows because the hope presses you to seek what it is that you're looking for, right? What it is that you need. And so in these contexts, it seems as though hope is not only the motivator, but it's actually the, the catalyst for actually achieving and seeking and receiving what it is that we need, right? And then we get to be um, co-conspirators with those who are seeking help, right? Um, and are in need, for the sake of not only food and sustenance, but for life itself, right?
2: Um, you know, you know, you are right, and and it's such an honor. And, and, and even things like the ESL classes we have every night, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we've got 30, 40 people in ESL. It's not just about ESL, it's about getting together in the community and knowing that that hope is right there, mm-hmm. right there, step by step. Yeah. So, yes this is this you've both provided much food for
0: thought um <laughs> much food for thought and just kind of engaging and thinking about scenarios and lived experiences that are foreign to us not everyone that we know has been incarcer- incarcerated not everyone we know has been um in- engaged or um gone through food insecurity or uh, has a different immigration status right um And yet the experience of others, the experience of the neighbor that is before us actually inspires hope in us that Mm -hmm. we get to co-participate and be co-conspirators in what it means to have not just life, but life abundance, right? Not just survival, but actually have a breath of fresh air to say, there's a safe place where I can go, or there's a safe person who I can go to that is preaching and teaching, teaching me something that can actually give me um, just a bit more energy for the next day so that when I wake up I can recognize the hope that is before me Right, So thank you both so very much. I hope that those who are listening um, just lean in to the ministry at the Community of St. Dismas, look up what what is La Sagrada Familia and consider within themselves what does hope look like for them, but also recognizing that hope is active, it's not passive, right? And and hope is not individual, but collective Ah, and communal, right? And so thank you both so very much. I will be... um, holding this conversation, praying and reflecting just to share a bit of a devotion in a couple of minutes. Um, but I'm very, very grateful for the ministry that you do, the ways that you show up in the world and the ways that you invite others to show up as well. So thank you both, Pastor Beck, Pastor Miller. Um, you have blessed us with your with your storytelling and with your ministry. Thank you so very thank much. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you.
1: And, and thank you to Gifts of Hope for... Yes. helping us us keep going.
0: Amen, amen. Thanks be to God. Blessings. For the past 31 years, Gifts of Hope, the alternative gift-giving program of the Metro DC Synod, has raised and dispersed almost $4 million to organizations doing hope-filled work. Through Gifts of Hope, donors honor loved ones with more meaningful giving that goes beyond the traditional wrapped box. A gift of hope is the perfect gift for someone who doesn't need another thing and for those who are trying to escape commercialism. While Gifts of Hope started as a Christmas gift program and printed Christmas cards are still available at DC area churches, we now have a variety of digital cards for year round celebrations available online. Learn more about the mission, Beneficiary organizations and how to give at Gifts of Hope DC org, and on social media at the handle Gifts of Hope DC. Well, welcome back to our devotion um, section of our podcast and episode today. Um, I mean. How much food for thought have Pastor Beck and Pastor Miller um, really offered us this this day? One of the things that I have always been drawn to anytime I hear the word hope, I'm always drawn to Romans 5. And I'd like to share this with you, Um, just verses 1 through 5. And it says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Hope, boasting in our hope of sharing the glory of God. If the text had stopped there, we could talk for days of what it means to boast in our hope in the glory of God that God promises and whatever God promises God will deliver that God is with us God accompanies us God delivers us God sends us God's self in the flesh taking on um, flesh and bone to teach us what it looks like to be in relationship with God and with one another we can go on and on about what it might look like for us to live in today what it might look like to boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. But it doesn't end there. Romans goes on to say, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. Um, There is this grave possibility that we want to glorify or um say that suffering is okay or even come to the point of declaring that one suffering is superior to another or declaring that someone else's um, suffering is pretty bad but man am i going through it right um this text people might take it and interpret it in ways that are unhelpful but the point of the text is to recognize that suffering is real suffering does happen and even as we suffer there is more to the story than just the suffering and even that seems like um, I'm trivializing suffering there's no such thing as just suffering but there is such a thing as suffering in this world in our lives in our families in our church suffering is real and yet we hear in this text that maybe suffering doesn't just produce pain or grief or trauma, but there's the possibility that there's more beyond it um, and more with it. I personally think that we can grow and we can heal. And then there's still some elements of our suffering that we often um, are surprised that, that we're still triggered by it. We still um, experience and go back to that suffering in the memory of, of the pain. And yet here the invitation is to know that suffering also produces endurance, that there's a point in our lives where the suffering that we engage, um, we can look back on and say, man, I did learn something from this. And now when new suffering comes, I have the strength to endure it. And beyond endurance, it produces character. Now, not only do I understand the world better, not only do I understand the church better, I also understand myself better. And beyond knowing myself better, I know God better because God has been with me every single step of the way in and through my suffering. And not only does do I produce character, because now I know, I see, I'm aware in a different way, But now, again, we come back to what it looks like to engage in hope. Now we see better. Now we understand better. Now we're just different. We're not who we were when we first engage in a season of suffering. We see things differently. Now we're able to walk with and accompany others and counsel and support and pray for them and pray for us in ways that actually produce hope. But it doesn't end there. It says that hope does not disappoint us. Not just that, but the reason why. The reason why is because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So hope, as we were saying earlier with our guest today, hope is is active and it's only active because it's inspired by the work of the holy spirit the holy spirit is never passive the holy spirit is always active and we're invited to engage in the gift of hope because we have been given we have been given this love that has been poured into us by god through the holy spirit and we know that god's promises have been fulfilled And so as we continue to think of the stories of those at the community of St. Dismas who have been incarcerated, as we think of the people who may or may not be undocumented and have food insecurity and are struggling with what it means to live in these United States as people who are considered other. As we consider the sufferings of people that are different from us and also consider our own sufferings. Might we, might we consider that there is hope and there is hope that is ours and not only ours but ours to share because we have the love of God. Because the love of God has been poured into us, into our hearts, through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Let us pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, as always, you are good, and you are present, and you are um, in our lives and through our lives in the most unexpected ways. Today, somehow, we've come to talk about suffering while we're supposed to be talking about hope, and yet all of it, all of it is is in your hands, all of it. You are with us. You will not leave us. And we have so much to learn, even in our present suffering, even in what we endure this day, whatever frustrations or concerns, whatever we we are waiting for in this season of Advent, whatever our story may be, we thank you for the Lord, for the love that has been poured into us through the Holy Spirit. We thank you because it is a promise that you fulfill. It is a promise that we believe by faith. And we ask you, dear God, that you continue to um, teach us and open our eyes to that reality that we might rest in you and engage in in a hope that liberates and transforms and makes anew. We thank you and we glorify you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Receive this blessing. May God give you grace never to sell yourself short, grace to risk something big for something good, grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. The blessing of God Almighty. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us now and remain with us this day and always. Amen. Thank you for listening to The World is About to Turn. Next week, we get to engage the gift of family. I can't wait. I hope you feel the same as I do and you'll join us and you'll share the season and the episode with others as we continue to engage some hard things and yet some beautiful and just meaningful things that make life just a little bit lighter receive this blessing may god give you grace never to sell yourself short grace to risk something big for something good grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love the blessing of god almighty father son and holy spirit be with you now and remain with you always In Jesus' holy name, amen. Dear friends, the world is about to turn. Live and lead boldly with God's help and in Jesus' name.